Hey team, you're about to experience a very special episode of B2B Commerce Corner. Back in October, I went to B2B Online Florida, which is a conference all about B2B e-commerce. And we had such a fantastic time, my wife and I, as we attended this conference, we learned a ton. And I had a fantastic opportunity to grab some Vox Pops. And Vox, Vox Pop stands for Vox Populi, or Voice of the People. I had a chance to grab some recordings of different people that were attending the event to get their thoughts on how the event was going and what they were able to glean from the event. And hopefully this will be an interesting episode for you, especially if you're considering attending either B2B Online Florida and or B2B Online Chicago next year. Enjoy. Welcome to B2B Commerce Corner. Commerce Corner is a sub-series of the e-commerce edge podcast discussing all things B2B commerce through the lens of agencies, consultants, merchants, and more. Enjoy. everybody and welcome to the B2B Online Florida Conference. I'm doing a few Vox Pops and interviews with some people that are attending the conference today and I have my good friend Jason Hine here from Bloomreach. He's been on the podcast live and in person. We are real. We are not the same person. (laughs) That's true. Um, I've got the better hair but I won't rub the salt. That's true. That's true. I will give you that. Uh, But Jace, it is awesome to finally meet you in person after having multiple conversations online, podcasts, Etc. Yeah. So, what do you think about B2B Online Florida? And I realize it's early days. We've only been here like a half a day. But what do you mm-hmm. think about it so far? I'm loving it. I mean, I think that the conversations that I'm having, it's the one thing that I am super excited about is as I'm talking to practitioners, I'm hearing them talk about AI in ways that are a little bit more practical than, and, and to me, that, like, I'm actually going to talk about this this afternoon. Okay. So, like, you know, you might need to cut this. But, um, like, one of the things that just really bothers me about what I see happening with AI in B2B is that people talk about it like it's some sort of magical cure-all. Like, yes. it's, it's the penicillin of B2B e-commerce. You know, content problems? Oh, AI is going to solve that. Yeah. Platform problems? AI will solve that. Marketing problems? AI will solve that. But... Like the truth is, it's 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 more nuanced than that. There are so many different kinds of tools that all do different things. Is it AI? Yeah, but what kind of AI? And I, and so what I'm excited about is I'm hearing more people try to talk more specifically about well, is this generative AI? Is it <clears throat> discriminative AI? Like, what exactly are we talking about? And that's the kind of conversations that I want this industry to start having. Is let's get into the brass tacks about what do we do with it. And I think, not only do I agree with you 100%, but I'm seeing the same thing in the sense that operational AI is the term I would use, is that is that instead of this pie in the sky, AI is only used for marketing, right? right? Yes. Uh, weaponizing marketing through smart services, right? Yep. We're now starting to think about AI and its impact on supply chains. We're starting to think about AI and its impact in demand planning. We're pricing. Start, yeah, yep. price, you know, dynamic pricing now is mm-hmm. within reach of many brands where it never used to be before, particularly in the B2B space where they might have uh, one priceless per customer. Yeah. And so, and, and the modeling, the financial 
financial modeling, in particular, the forward-looking financial modeling. Okay, cool, I pull this lever with this price list. What is that going to do to my revenue? What's that going to do to my profitability? What's going to do to that uh, to my risk of churn? I, I think we're starting to bring a lot of the concepts of retail e-commerce into the B2B sphere, and I think that's only going to help B2B players get smarter. I think some of it has to do with the fact that the technology that was built <clears throat> for consumers, right, was built for a consumer. Yeah. Where, like, okay, consumers for certain kinds of products generally have a lot of things in common. We all wear shoes. We all buy pants. The hard part is that in B2B, because of, like distributors in particular sell to very different companies, like the the, the 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 gloves that I sell to a hospital are very different from the gloves that I sell to a welding yard. Hundred percent. And so where AI really can help is being able to track all of the behaviors from people in each industry and and roll things up mm -hmm. and so that we can actually make pricing recommendations for medical versus pricing recommendations for you know aerospace and automotive like you know automotive right now probably uh, a little concerned about price yeah. uh, so <laughs> i think they're concerned about getting chips <laughs> I, I think they're concerned about keeping labor yeah uh, but but that i think is why this is such an exciting for me time for B2B when it comes to AI is that the, the technology is there now to take this aggregation of behaviors at scale across many, 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 many different kinds of customer personas and types. Um, because we can lean on the deep learning side of it now, we don't have to preload all of these things to look for and watch for. And you know, we can just say like, hey, look, here's some behavior coming from this type of user based on what we've learned. That's probably a medical buyer or that's probably an automotive buyer. And yes. that's where I think the rubber really hits the road. And you can even say something as simple as, find me people like this. Yeah. You don't necessarily need to know what this is, but yeah. if you can identify at least one customer that takes a certain behavior that you want to find more of, yep. that's where AI excels and where it's almost impossible for humans to do that heavy lift. So uh, I think you're 100% right. AI applied in the right place at the right time can strategically, strategically can yep. give humans superpowers. Absolutely. And I can't wait to learn more about not only what everybody else is doing in the AI space for B2B, but what Bloomreach is doing with AI in the B2B space. Jason, thank you so, so much for dropping by. Can't wait to spend more time with you today. So I'm here at B2B Online and I've got Tom Floral with me from Znode. How you doing, Tom? Doing well. How are you, Jason? I am doing so well. I've been hanging out for this. This is the this is the first big in-person conference I've been to, I think, in about two years because of COVID. So two years. I was, should be like four. Uh, no, it was longer than that. Actually, yeah, th th over three, I think. Uh, so yeah, it's look, it's been a long time. It's it's been so long that I can't even remember the last in-person conference I did, but I was hanging out to come to this and how about yourself were you really keen to come to this yes we've been doing since late 2022 we've been doing shows pretty consistently again yeah, uh, because I was based in New Zealand until I recently moved to Mexico, we were we were way worse off and we were locked down for a lot longer. Right, right. And so I'm super keen to be here and I'm meeting so many people in person that I've only ever met online before, you being one of meeting those. One of them. Yep. And I'm super, super stoked to have you here. And is Zenode actually presenting? Zenode actually presented at 11 a.m. this morning with yep. Heister Yale Group. Yep. I actually didn't do much of the talking. Heister Yale Group did all the work, which was great. They did a great job. And what did you guys talk about? So they're running our platform 
platform Znode for B2B to B e-commerce and um, also channel enablement. So they sell through dealers and they talk about how based upon login, if I'm an end customer, I can log in and I can put in my serial number for my forklift and I get actually the parts exploder and everything I need for my forklift, but my dealer fulfills it. Perfect. If I'm a dealer and I log in, I get to buy at my appropriate price and I get my dealer experience, but it's a single pane of glass and depending on who logs in, they get their personalization. Wow. And that's what I love about B2B is that there's no such thing as vanilla in B2B. Right. And you know, I've spent many years in the D2C, B2C space mm -hmm. and look, I love it, it's still amazing, but I love B2B and I love consulting in B2B because literally every single business that I talk to is radically different, even yes. if they're operating in the same vertical. And that's what keeps it challenging. That's what keeps it interesting. And you know, things like uh, unique price lists uh, by region, by customer, by customer group, yeah. uh, talking about things like, um, you know, CPQ technology. Yeah. And we're talking about things like request for quotes. And when we're talking about things like unique MOQs based on certain attributes of a product. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we got such complexity that happens just as a normal routine part of business in the B2B world because of the product complexity usually that it's very exciting. Yeah, there's complexity and then there's that data is not just in the e-commerce platform it's stored in two different ERPs, a PIM, a third-party parts explorer that needs to be pulled in by API so the other big part of the conversation was how you have to connect with so many different systems pull that into a presentation layer that's personalized for the customer. And that's the other thing that I think is really special about B2B is that you Usually, we know very little about who the customer is in the B2C, D2C world, and right. oftentimes it's their first purchase with us. So we don't necessarily we don't necessarily know their gender. We don't usually necessarily know their demographics. We don't even we can't even tie initially until they authenticate. We can't even tie their behavior to an account. Right. And the beautiful thing about B2B is 99% of the time those customers are very well known to us. They've gone through an application mm -hmm. process. We know everything about what they've purchased historically, what they purchased as an organization, and as an individual right. buyer, we, we just know so much more. And so therefore, it becomes in many respects easier to personalize in the B2B world than it does even in the D2C world. Absolutely. As long as you have the data structure and an API layer to support the data and to get it into the platform and into the experience. 100%. And what type of ERPs are you, because the backbone of most B2B businesses sure. is their ERP. They live in it and they do business in it. And in fact, prior to implementing an e-commerce front end, most of them even put the orders directly if it's a sales team, field right. sales reps, they're putting orders directly into the ERP and they're keying it in themselves. And I don't know a single salesperson that loves admin. Right. So they love they love it when replenishment ordering can start going through an e-commerce platform so they can focus on the relationship. But what, what type of systems, back-end technologies are you most often running into nowadays? Is it NetSuite? Is it SAP? Is it Epicor? What are you running into? Yeah. I mean, we are typically mid-market to enterprise. Mm -hmm. So we're, we have a lot of Epicor customers. Yes. Uh, which is a traditional mid-market platform. Absolutely. We have a fair number of SAP customers, uh, some Oracle. We still have some customers that are in AS400. Wow. It's not unusual, though, that we have customers that have four or five ERPs. They either have an ERP by region or through M&A. And um, one thing we've solved for is routing orders to the appropriate ERP if it's multiple ERP organizations.
description. Right, so you've got effectively a miniature order management system inside Zenode that, that then does the order routing from there. It's bigger than miniature, but yes. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> Full blown, because yeah. oftentimes order management is also done in the ERP, and so right. you still got to have uh, pre ERP in a multiple ERP scenario, you have to f have full order routing so that you yes. know, because on the same aggregated order, you know, let's say there's five items in the order, three might need to go to one ERP and two might right. need to go to the other ERP, depending on the matching SKUs and where they live and right. all those attributes of those products to know which one to route them to. You just said it. There's attributes and you can do order flagging for the correct ERP. Absolutely. I love it. And what are you, what are you looking forward to the most in terms of like presentations you want to go see or people that you're going to talk to? What are you looking for them forward to the most? I don't have, I mean, I'm curious about AI like everybody else. Um, and we actually have a partner who's used AI to bring in product information and SEO directly into the platform using our connector framework. So I'm curious to see how other companies are using it because uh, what I always think about it is, is it something that should be in an e-commerce product or should it be pulled in from a best of breed through APIs into yes. the platform? And looking at those trade-offs is something that I'm definitely interested in here. Love it. Tom, thank you so much for your time. And if people want to find you and Zeno, do they just go to Zenode.com? Z-N-O-D-E.com, Zenode. Too easy. Thank you very much, awesome. my friend. Really thank appreciate you, it. Good seeing you. Okay, so I am here with Jenny Alexander Hi. here at B2B Online Florida. Yeah. And as per my previous couple of little clips, I'm just talking to people who have come to the sessions today about what their thoughts are about B2B Online, uh, what they hoped to get out of being here, and have you gotten that out of it yet? And then I know that we're having a fireside chat tomorrow, which I'm very much looking forward to, yeah. and looking at some of the convergence between D2C and B2B and what some of those overlaps look like and what B2B we can learn from D2C as well. So yeah. what have you got so far and is it kind of lived up to your expectations? Yeah, well, first of all, it's awesome to be here because it's sunny Florida yes. and the you weather is absolutely perfect. So point one, check, check. Um, I think the second thing just showed up and I got to see a great presentation um, around personalization in the B2B space. And I think that that's something that's super underrated. So I it really, is. really loved that presentation. Presentation. I think it was by a woman named Anu Gupta, yes. and she did she did a great job, really, just talking about some great personalization tactics. And so I'm just looking to hear a lot more of that. What are the success stories? What are people What are people doing that are that's great? And where do people need help? What are What are some of the challenges that people are seeing in the B2B space? And you know, hopefully, I can later on tomorrow we can we can chat a little bit about that more, and and hopefully shed a little bit of light on just you know what we can do in this space to make it rock even more I couldn't agree more and I saw some sessions I was chairing the the B track sessions here in one of the rooms and we got to hear from two amazing merchants telling their stories of digital transformation and B2B e-commerce one is the largest HVAC distributor in the Americas they're a multi-billion dollar business then we heard from another merchant who the person who took over as the head of uh, e-commerce and digital transformation he came from a 32 $2 billion business into the current business he's in, which is a hundred million dollar a year business. And he was talking about the challenges of digital digital transformation in a hyperscale business versus a smaller a smaller business with fewer resources and what that looks like. And he, yeah. over the last 12 months, he and his team have replatformed e-commerce, PIM, and full customer service stack in less than 12 months. That's and impressive. so being able to share those learnings, I think, and the war wounds that go along with that, the, the wins, the losses, the challenges, what he would do differently, what he wouldn't do differently.
differently. I think that for me personally, merchant stories are super important because in the B2C and D2C world, merchant stories are common. Merchants are very happy to kind of open the kimono. And what I've learned playing in the B2B space, less likely to share stories. They play their cards a little bit closer to their chest. They're not necessarily as willing to get on stage and share warts and all what's worked and what hasn't. And so I really respect these merchants who have gotten up there, buried it all, done a full presentation end to end of, of you know, everything they've done in a 12-month window. Both of these merchants have had significant transformations in 12 months. So it can be done. I know a lot of B2B yeah. projects, you know, will go 18 months, 24 months, whatever. But you can get a lot done in 12 months with the right scope and with the right team and with the right partners, uh, both tech and agency. You can get a lot accomplished with focus. You really can. And I think it's interesting because sometimes, yeah, you think that the big companies, they have all the money, they can do all of this stuff. But sometimes it's it's the smaller companies that can get stuff done faster and they're a little bit more nimble and the way that they think is a little bit more like a startup and yes. they can take those risks and that's something that's really interesting to see where you get those success stories about replatforming with three different yeah, platforms. Yeah, e-commerce, PEM and yeah. customer service all, yeah. and, and omni-channel months. system integration all delivered in under 12 months. It's impressive. Yeah. yeah. And so, look, I've learned a lot. I've enjoyed, you know, the, the personalities are also different and it just goes to show, I think, similar to D2C, that if you've got vision, if you've got drive, if you're hungry, then the B2B e-commerce space will welcome you with open arms, even if you don't have a ton of experience in the space, yeah. because the B2B space is hungry for digital skills. So if you've got any kind of digital skill set, if you've got an e-commerce skill set, but you don't necessarily have the B2B skill set, I think jump on board with B2B because the opportunity is massive. And I know that looking at DC360 data and, and many other data points, the CAGR, the compound annual growth rate for B2B is slated to be six to seven times that of D2C over the next decade. So the opportunity is going to explode. And given that B2B is about 10 years behind D2C in terms of digital adoption, At least. Uh, there's a lot to get done over the next decade. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and I think just the size, like you said, the size and scope and growth of B2B being as big as it is, um, it still does surprise me that that it's the, the redheaded stepchild totally. of e-commerce, totally. um, if I can use that term. But it is the redheaded stepchild of e-commerce, and e-commerce itself is still a redheaded stepchild of retail. Yes. So you and have that, and yeah, and you have that sort of double piece that just makes it, um, I, I think, harder at times and harder to be heard. But you know, you just you have to keep pushing, and and if you're in a company that that needs that help, and you can just keep pushing to say this is what we need to do because the growth is there, you'll get it. You'll absolutely get it, and it keeps it interesting. And there's nothing about B2B e-commerce that's boring. Yeah. Not Jenny, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. I cannot wait for our fireside tomorrow. I'm so looking forward to it. Absolutely. Cheers. Hey, everybody. Once again, I'm here at B2B Online Florida, and I'm here with Scott from InSync AI, and we just want to chat a little bit about kind of what you've got, I guess, out of the event so far, what's been the most important part of the event for you, and kind of who you've connected with, feel, feel like you've, uh, what your takeaways are going to be. Sure. Um, first of all, it's been a great event. Yeah. It actually has, you know, I think it's a fantastic show for people that are trying to get into digital transformation. A lot of these B2B companies are, you know, you don't want to use the word behind, but they're... They are, they're, often. They're, they're, they're in the process now of kind of getting to that place. They're organizing their data. They're, you know, getting into e-commerce. So selling direct is kind of new for many of them, right? They've all been through wholesalers. And um, 
it's been, a, like I said, a great show primarily because these companies need to hear what we do, mm -hmm. right? If they are in a place where they're short on expertise and manpower, they don't have these departments already built, we do AI as a service. So when they come to understand that, they realize they can actually take another leapfrog jump and get somewhere they didn't think they could get for another year or two. Wow. So you're kind of almost like, if we think of it, almost like the Amazon of AI in that they can just consume it as a service. They just consume it as a service. And in fact, we don't even uh, bill for custom development. We don't charge for ongoing AI training. It literally is uh, billed by usage. Yes. So much like Amazon, you just pay for what you need. Wow. Absolutely love it. And what do you think some of the takeaways for merchants, and I'm going to be speaking to several merchants later today, but from your perspective, what is the feedback that you're getting from the merchants that you've spoken to about what they feel like they're getting out of a conference like this? Because in the B2C and D2C world, conferences are a big deal and they're very common and they're very normal. In B2B, there's, there's only about three or four every year uh, that are targeted at B2B merchants, and this is one of them. So yeah. what do you feel like they're getting out of it that they wouldn't necessarily get out of going to a D2C, B2C focused conference? I think a D2C focused conference would be just, they're not ready, yes. really. They're not ready to adopt many of those technologies. They really are working on the foundation of their house and before they build the second story. Yes. So this really suits their purpose. You can see that many of the vendors here are platforms. Yes. Because they're literally moving like for the first time into a digital platform. Totally. Unifying siloed data. And this is what they need to hear about. They're definitely learning from each other. Yes. And they're learning from the vendors. Yes. So I don't think they would get the same value out of listening to LVMH and now they've segmented their CRM and you know gone that deep it's just they're not there yeah uh, I couldn't agree more and in fact I saw uh, unlike a lot of B2C D2C conferences where merchants often avoid the vendor area on purpose because they've heard of them all they That's know right. them all they know their proposition all that sort of stuff I've noticed that the vendor hall here mm -hmm. has actually been packed with people most of the time when there's been gaps between sessions and they're actually going in and they're actually having conversations with the different vendors because this is somewhat in many respects, brand new to them. Yep, I will say from my perspective, the difference for me, I go to a D2C show, it's true. I am like having to cut through the noise of 300 other AI companies, none of whom do what we do, Yeah. right? But it's, they've heard so much yes. and they just don't want to hear anymore. Here, they're really open to actually having conversations. They really did come to learn. Yes. And uh, to their benefit, obviously. Wow, absolutely amazing, Scott. Thank you for your time, I appreciate it. And I Cheers. hope you enjoy the rest of B2B Online Florida. Hey everybody, coming to you from B2B Online Florida again, and I'm here with Sam from Zaylab. And he's been here since yesterday, same as me. And Sam, what have you thought of the conference so far? What have been your key takeaways? What have you enjoyed about it? And what do you think merchants are getting out of it? Sure, so it's always great to connect with our partners, our clients, and always good to know what people are doing in the space in terms of cultural management. And so in B2B commerce, um, oftentimes it moves a little bit slower, decision-making is a lot more complex. So it's always good to kind of compare notes with people that are doing this every single day uh, because we want to help our clients be better. And so it's always good to kind of share those notes. Nice, nice. And you, uh, you were mentioning to me that you're a avid fan of the e-commerce edge podcast so I do appreciate that yes. and what have you what have you got out of the podcast I guess and how do you feel that it helps because I've got the Wednesday episode which is totally focused to B2B and I'm I feel like there's not as much B2B content out there as there is D2C and B2C content sure. so have you found it useful in that regard yeah so it's always good to kind of I like some of the, the guests you bring on some of the perspectives you bring on 
And so I think it's a very uh, kind of unique voice. There's only a hand, I can only count the handful of people that are actually fo focused on producing content in B2B, and you're one of them. And so it's, uh, uh, you're it. Well, <laughs> thanks, man. I really appreciate that. And look, I thank you for dropping by. Thank sure you for thing. sharing from your perspective. And look, I hope we get to catch up at the next one, which I think is uh, in Chicago. And Absolutely. apparently it's about three times as big as this one. Yes. And so we, we, we were at Chicago earlier this year, and it was amazing. And so we want to do it again. Love it. Thank you so much, Sam. Right. Catch you soon. Take care. Hey everybody, last day of B2B Online Florida today. Things are just about to wrap up and I've got Tom McFadden from McFadden Digital with me today. Welcome, Tom, what, did you, what have you thought of the conference so far? Great event, we've been to many of these, uh, Chicago, uh, Florida. Uh, good to see everybody again. Lots of interest in uh, the growth of B2B across multiple channels, EDI, commerce, marketplace, uh, for both manufacturers and distributors. And what do you think, uh, I, I, it's so interesting to be at a B2B targeted conference versus your traditional D2C, B2C conference. And like the whole tenor of what gets talked about, it feels like B2B is so much more operational, nuts and bolts. This is what we need to do to be able to scale. This is what we need to do to be able to give our customers a more frictionless buying experience. Whereas I feel like D2C, B2C might be a, maybe 10 years more advanced That's than that. And they're correct. starting to think about advanced personalization and all things that aren't necessarily operational in nature, but are more CX in nature. And if you notice that too, that we're really digging into the actual detail of what it takes to scale a B2B brand today uh, through digital channels. Right, and people just say, well, let's make B2B like B2C, but you can't because there's so many unique requirements from you know, organizational modeling for approval workflows, for purchasing limits, for RFQ, for CPQ, configure price quote, uh, contract pricing, so many different requirements that are functionally different that you don't have in B2C. It's much easier to make a, a pretty skin for a B2C, D2C experience. Uh, that's not what really drives B2B, it's those functionalities. And the other thing that we see is that even the data models that we use in the B2B world are quite different to D2C. And so, for an example, in D2C world, price is an attribute of product. In the B2B world, price is an attribute of the customer. So even Correct. things down into the data model layer, and even the types of things we would put in a PIM system, for example, oftentimes are quite radically different in the B2B world versus the B2C world. Correct. And, and a lot of the user experience even has to change when, for example, if you want to do faceted navigation by price, price varies by customer. So you have to look up the contract pricing for that customer in order to provide your uh, facets. Yes, and in platforms like search and merch platforms, if they're not designed for B2B, they simply won't work in an environment where everybody gets their own price, they get a restricted catalog, they have specific buyer-specific workflows and, and approvals. It just doesn't work. So a lot of these technologies that are only designed for B2C, D2C, they just don't work in the B2B world. Especially when we talk about catalogs of millions of SKUs times you know, thousands or tens of thousands of contract pricing uh, per, uh, variants of that. And you're looking at hundreds of millions of permutations yes. when it comes to what a, a catalog item is my price. Absolutely. Well, Tom, this has been such an enjoyable thing. What do you think that from a merchant perspective, what do you think the top one or two things that merchants would have taken away from the last two days? What, what do you, when you've been talking to merchants, what do you think it is that the, the value that they've gotten out of this conference? Well, let me talk uh, maybe uh, on what we focus on, which is the marketplace aspect. So we've been really focused on building marketplaces for over a decade now, and that's becoming more and more of a common B2B solution. Uh, in my keynote, I mentioned that that's the fastest growing commerce segment in all of B2B. So growing at more than double rate, 200, million, uh, $200 billion of, of transactions there. Um, of the, of the uh, $15 billion that's transacted B2B, um, 
uh, about 10% is uh, e-commerce, and then the, the growing at 10 to 17%, depending on distributor versus manufacturer. But the marketplace segment of that is more than doubling, 130% per year growth in the marketplace for a business for B2B organizations. And I think there's two facets to this that I'm seeing play out, and I'd love to know what your thoughts on this are. So not only are we seeing the explosion of third-party marketplaces like Fair, etc., for B2B, right. but we're also seeing a lot of B2B brands adding marketplace, multi-vendor marketplace functionality to their own digital experience, similar to the transition we saw B2C, D2C go through starting eight to 10 years ago, where the biggest brands in the world that were retailers were also adding in marketplace functionality so they Correct. could create an endless aisle experience. B2B is getting in on the trick. Exactly. You know, Walmart uh, is number two marketplace in the U.S. after Amazon. Uh, they're doing a great job exploring out their B2C marketplace. But we see that in the, the B2B space. Uh, Granger's a great example, you know, oh, $15 yeah. billion dollar MRO distributor, uh, million first party products. But when they launched uh, Zorro as a marketplace in a decade that scaled over a billion dollars of sales by itself with over 10 million SKUs now leveraging marketplace model. So it's a great example of how an incumbent distributor can leverage the model. We're also seeing it in the, on the manufacturer side. We've launched quite a few marketplaces where a manufacturer uh, uses the marketplace business model but leverages their existing distributors as a, a fulfillment channel. The distributors are the sellers on the marketplace, like 3M, and you buy safety products and uh, order from 3M, but a distributor will fulfill the order and really providing more of a channel collaboration as opposed to channel conflict that the D2C model uh, really disrupts the supply chain in, in when a manufacturer starts selling D2C. Yeah, and, and they become customers of each other in that collaborative model, right? The ones, exactly. so, uh, they're selling to each other depending on who can fulfill that product and that need at the time. So it's more like a drop shipping model where the distributor is doing the delivery. So Correct. amazing, sorry. You and they, they share uh, data as well. So the problem with a lot of manufacturers is when the distributor sells, they have no idea who the end customer is. So in this model, they, the distributor, the manufacturer and the distributor get the customer data, customer relationships, they both get some margin off of it. Uh, so both stay happy in that and hence the channel collaboration instead of channel conflict. Win, win, win all the way around. Exactly. Tom, thank you so much for your time. Thank I you. can't it's wait to speak to you again soon. Are you a B2B or D2C e-commerce merchant? Then head over to greenwoodconsulting.net to learn how we can help you scale your business.